Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Another good Sunday evening, folks. Maranatha, all uh, desiring to follow along uh, on the study may open their Bibles to Proverbs, beginning in chapter 5 this evening. That is chapter 5, when we're beginning with verses 1 and 2. My son, attend to my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. God's imploring to wisdom runs throughout Proverbs. A modern rendition could be, heads up, wisdom results in listening to God's understanding that we may cultivate discretion, that our lips may speak knowledge. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 focus especially on the danger of illicit sex, warning against the temptations and allures of the strange woman the evil woman. Today's world, overrun with human trafficking, rape, child molestation, and child pornography, set in relief the beginnings of sin that have led down the path to the exponential explosion of sexual sin and perversion presently in practice in today's world. Thus, the opening verses 1 and 2 are forcefully exemplified in their necessary, seemingly repetitious emphasis from the preceding chapters, urging the seeker of wisdom to first of all fear God and learn and obey His commandments and His law to gain wisdom, understanding, discretion, and knowledge, instructions given to the very heart of man. Much can be said of the emphasis of teaching focused particularly on the male of the species. Paul's description of the first initial fall away from God in the Garden of Eden lays the blame squarely on the man. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. 1 Timothy 2.14 Adam sinned with his eyes wide open, even as Eve's protector, bearing the greater guilt and drawing her into it. Ergo, Proverbs verses 1 and 2 are addressed to the male of the species in particular. Certainly, women can gain wisdom from this, but the edge of the sword is directed to cutting first at the heart of man. My son, untend to my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Proverbs chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Listen closely, beloved. Attend your ear to wisdom and understanding. Learn discretion to know what to say. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell 
verses 3 to 5. Her words are sweeter than honey, smoother than oil, leading to a bitter, eternal end. Cutting as a two-edged sword, she leads to death. Her path ends in hell. Yes, hell is real, folks, and to be avoided at all cost. It bears repeating that a man years after seminary training declared to me Jesus had never talked about hell, not even once. After sending him a sackful of verses in which Jesus revealed the reality of hell, I heard nothing more. Crickets. Verses 6 through 9. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. It begins with thinking. The chaos of the world you see all around you began with Satan, asking Eve, Yea, hath God said? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The spiritual war descends to temporal life through words. Other distractions emanate, but the trigger is the word. That's why God sent Jesus, who is the word, from God, the word, which is God, become flesh and dwelt among man. The Son given on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, that whosoever believes in Jesus shall be saved. And here, in chapter 5 of Proverbs, the listener of God is instructed to remove themselves from the temptation of sin. For at this late hour, sin is flooding the earth, because God is removing his hand, that whosoever will can do as they will please, leading them to damnation. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 24, 24, lays out in plain reading these very days in which we are living. Begin reading in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things which are not convenient. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. A full reading of this indictment would include all of Romans chapter 1. Returning to Proverbs 5, verses 8 and 9. We are severely warned to remove our way from temptation, not even to go near the door, lest we give our honor to others. Yes, God bestows us with his honor when entering this world, honor which we forfeit when we submit to sin. Receiving back years, not days, but years, to the cruel. Let that one sink in, and it only gets worse. Verses 10 through 14, let strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger and thou mourn at the last 
when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me? I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. This path leads to strangers taking your wealth and your laboring in the house of strangers. Think the prodigal son parable in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. These verses are nearly a verbatim delineation of the prodigal's own confession. As always, God always provides the pathway to peace, the wisdom of his way, the nourishment of good and proper advice to lead us from the wilderness all the way home. Verses 15 through 19. Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 through 19. God's encouragement invariably leads to beginning with the personal walk. The reader is advised to allow God to bless him, and then allowing those blessings to flow outward to his world. Blessings in abundance, as God deigns to bestow them that we may, like Paul, learn to be content with little or with much. Notice the emphasis on keeping to God's personal blessings to you, not mixing them with strangers. A double entendre reveals in these verses, as God brings his leading full circle, returning you to your own wife of your youth, a sermon all by itself. As many are not so blessed in these days, letting her be the loving hind and pleasant roe, her breast satisfying you at all times, ravished always with her love. As one cowboy preacher described it, here I'm going to get off my horse for a while and let him rest and make a fire and have a cup of coffee. There are multitudes of words, phrases, and verses with meanings worthy of plumbing to get to further depths of what is being said. As the teacher of Proverbs instructs on the proper relationship between a man and his wife, an eternal prophecy is discovered embedded within the verse for the strengthening and comfort of all believers. Verse 20 and 21 of Proverbs 5 drives home the truth magnificently, a truth now being revealed and promoted across the earth in these our final days. And wilt thou Why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Plumbing the use of the word ravished, one discovers a dual and appositional relationship, nonetheless, in this case, leading to two different results, such as Fred, her old boyfriend, showed up at the wedding. Notice the encouraged result of loving your wife in verse 19, being ravished always with her love, juxtaposed against verse 20, and why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Excuse me. 
The Hebrew word for ravished, shagal, can be translated as to stray or to transgress. It also can be translated, depending on the usage, by extension, intoxicated, or to be enraptured as revealed in modern, many modern translations. Now, stay with me because we are now entering the nuts and bolts of Bible study. As Jesus declared of the law, it is going to be fulfilled to the very jot or yot and tittle. The yot being the tenth letter of the 22-word Hebrew alphabet. Thus, everything in the Word of God is divinely appointed to the very letter and the very grammatical point. As you can now imagine, there's also huge room to error in deciphering the Bible. Thus is demanded lifelong study. Returning to ravished, we then discover in verse 19 the encouragement for a man to be intoxicated or enraptured with his wife. Verse 20 then questions why a man would be enraptured with a strange woman. Here's the final point on this thought. Some may have already recognized the importance of the word ravished, Allah enraptured, foreshadowing the prophecy of our blessed hope, our rapiamor, the rapture, then being disclosed as a mystery. Carrying the thought to its conclusion then, we discover the blessing of loving God's bride actually being caught up, juxtaposed against the warning in verse 21 of being caught up with the world. <clears throat> yes, we want to be caught up with Jesus at his shout, not entangled and caught up in the love of this world and miss Jesus completely. Verse 21 reveals the depths of study available in God's eternal word. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Verse 22 and 23 close chapter 5 with a dire warning for all who choose the pathway to sin. Verse 22, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, verse 23, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Sin is easily committed, similar to the temptation of grabbing a taste of syrup from the bottle when merely touching the bottle gets sticky fingers that have to be washed off before proceeding. Without the blood of Jesus, sin does not so easily dissolve, capturing the sinner in an ever-tightening captivity that can only be escaped with Jesus' help. More reason the Word of God so encourages all to call upon the Lord. Repentance is merely admitting and agreeing with God what He already knows, seeking His promised forgiveness for all sins. Jesus told Peter, Forgive seven times seventy in the day. If necessary, further discipline is promised, explained through Paul's Hebrew chapters 12 excerpt against sin. Reading there, in starting in verse 3, For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, as he did, striving against sin. 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Straight shooting for sure from the Word of God from King James Version. Proverbs chapter 6 opens with a plea for friendship by warning against sealing an agreement with a stranger by shaking hands, for example, with the foregoing warnings against strange women. One is alerted to the foibles involved in making deals and bargains with unknown strangers. Chapter one, chapter 6, verse 1, My son, thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger. In other words, making deals with strangers. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 and 5 speak for themselves, addressing wounded friendship. Do this now, my son. Deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Verses 6 through 11 attack sloth, laziness. As my grandmother used to say, don't be lazy. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Proverbs chapter 6 and 7 continue with the problem of the temptations emanating from association with strange women that was begun in chapter 5. Scripture is replete with warnings and examples of this particular folly, perhaps most glaringly revealed with David's adultery with Bathsheba, most sadly concluding not only in the death of her husband, one of David's faithful 30, those closest to David, Uriah the Hittite but also the death of their first child, a newborn son, quickly taken by the Lord as retribution. A crucial aside in reference to the Hittite kingdom in the mid-18th century, roughly a a group of so-called Bible scholars banded together to create a school of thought called higher criticism. They deemed it time to begin to examine the Word of God from the human perspective, as they were at that time convinced human knowledge had developed to a level bestowing the authority to begin parsing God's word more deeply for authentication. A first clue was the dearth of historical record to conclusively evidence the Hittite kingdom ever existed, although archaeologists had been uncovering bits and pieces over centuries. Authoritatively, a significant contribution to the confirmation of the history of the Hittites goes to German archaeologist Hugo Winkler, 
whose discovery in 1912 of 10,000 plus tablets from the Hittite royal archives finally confirmed the existence of the Hittite kingdom and not consequently the person of Uriah. Today, there are multitudes of Hittite archaeological evidences in museums across the world. Returning to Proverbs 6.21 and following, the reader is once again reminded of the blessing of submission, thwarting the wiles of the devil. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The re-addition of diligence to avoid the strange woman follows immediately in verses 24 through 29. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lust not after her beauty in thy heart. Neither let her take thee with her eyelids, for by means of a whorish woman a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goes to his neighbor's wife, whoso touches her, shall not be innocent. Opening chapter 7 fortifies the student for the extensively detailed warning against infidelity, exposing seduction steps in verses 5 through the end of the chapter. Verses 1 through 4, therefore, are not mere whistles in the wind. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Beginning in verse 5, a most explicit revelation of a man caught in adultery is detailed that they, the cautions just given in verses 1 through 4, may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner. And he went away to the house in the twilight and the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, subtle of heart. She's loud and stubborn, her feet abides not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, lying in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face and said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I have performed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man of the house, he's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he'll come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she causes him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forces him. He goes after her straightway as an ox, goeth to the slaughter. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Yes, hell is real, and the path is wide. Here is wisdom, here is understanding, here is discretion. These words were written by a man with 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
Jesus answered with the word of God in Matthew 23.3, Then spake Jesus to the multitude, to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. The Lord willing, next Sunday evening, we'll pick up in Proverbs chapter 8. And for further encouragement in God's word, may I remind all who are interested, Google T.L. Farley Books, including Blast Off or Pimore Edition 5, now available. Jesus' atomic any moment shout per scripture. We believers are bound for the greatest ride off this earth. From Genesis through Revelation with 25 plus Bible versions, Alpha indexed, 1,350 plus verses for encouragement. Plenty of room. Everyone is invited on a day that must be called today. <laughs> you only need Jesus. And Elon, no stopping at Mars. T.O. Farley Books for more than a day sale. Jesus is going to shout today. Why today? Take no thought for tomorrow. Jesus is knocking on the heart doors today. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them and will sup with them and they with me. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus himself is making the invitation. And the Lord willing, until we meet again next Sunday evening, from the eye of the storm, and we pray for God to bless those in Florida who are experiencing the reality of what's coming in eternity, which is going to be much worse for those who turn away from God and do not listen to his word and his warnings and his promises. Brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, uncles, aunts, cousins, new friends and old friends, and strangers. Good harvest. And I say, Maranatha. The Lord comes. Maranatha. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts, and we meet in the air or at supper. Here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.